0: Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball for Monday morning, July thirteenth, twenty twenty. It's a beautiful day. He is Tristan H. Cockcroft, winner of myriad fantasy leagues and grower of long hippie hair. Kyle Soppy researcher, producer, and now he has a hammock, so watch out. I am merely Eric Carabel, and ESPN senior writer Dave Schoenfield joins us every Monday to discuss the relevant fantasy news of the weekend and his latest written work. Hello, everyone. How are you today?
1: Wow, let's all jump in here. I was deferring to Tristan, since I'm just a guest, but uh, good morning, my friends.
2: You're not right, really Jay, a guest. If If you're making me speak, well, second now, I'm asking you, I want to see what our hammock average is. You got one yet? You get your hammock yet?
0: Well, Kyle has one. He and his wife were using it this weekend. Yeah. And Kyle, you tweeted out that your wife refuses to listen to our show. So I think we should deal with that as well. What's yeah. going on there? What is I it about know, our show that she just is, would not like? It's my I didn't think she
3: refused to listen to it. I said she hasn't. She's not a baseball person. I'm working on uh, some other sports. She's coming around slowly. But yeah, the hammock was a good start, I thought. So this is
0: a hammock in your backyard or in, backyard, indoors? Backyard, yeah. Okay. Uh, dave how many hammocks do you possess <laughs> uh,
1: i actually do have one it's on our deck uh, my wife uses it more than i do i just prefer the chair uh, but she she loves the hammock
2: we're batting dave. a thousand on hammocks yes unbelievable i can't believe i have one on right here <laughs> tristan you have a hammock yes i do yeah i don't i mentioned i picked one up about a month ago okay i have
0: four um, More. it might, be, might sound like a lot, but it really isn't. It was an outdoor one. There's um, <laughs> there's two indoor. Okay. Let's talk you're about baseball.
1: <laughs> i of, of hammock owners here. Like yeah. I'm like the Von Hayes of hammock owners.
0: You see, you're the one who keeps mentioning his name on every show, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Got to see what for paying attention. All right, Uh, let's pay attention to baseball now. Lots of news from the weekend, some of it good, not so good. I wrote my weekend wrap article for ESPN Fantasy and led with this story. Um, Vladimir Guerrero, the Blue Jays announced on Friday, and kind of a little surprising that they did it so soon, the Blue Jays announced that Guerrero will move over to first base and designate a hitter. Third base is still, in quotes, an option, end quote, but won't be his primary spot. I say he never plays the position again. He was a bad third baseman as a rookie, and an underachiever as a hitter. And Dave, I'll start with you. I I tend to – I dispute the notion that a player will hit better if he feels better defensively, but we see it all the time now where this happens and a player's offense moves up. Do you think Guerrero – I think he was going to be a Hall of Fame slugger regardless of position, but do you think this helps him offensively?
1: I don't think it matters. He was going to get better considering how, how young he is. He's got to, you know, improve his launch angle. We know the raw power is there. Um, I don't know. Tristan, is there any evidence that changing positions helps a guy? I don't think there is.
2: Not, not a a one size fits all kind of rule. I actually, I actually think that it's more mental for the player. If the player chooses to allow it to influence him, then it's going to uh, affect his numbers. You know, the, the, The long-term question for me is, is this the first step towards becoming a DH for the rest of his career? And I mean, that has had an impact on players. I mean, I keep thinking of Frank Thomas. I think he had a pretty decent uh, OPS split between first base. Yeah, he did. He had nearly 180-point OPS difference between when he played first base and DH. So again, if a player allows it to influence them?
0: Just guessing. I, I don't want to guess, frankly. Um, you have uh, Guerrero number 87. I have him in the 60s. I'm going to move him into my top 50 now. I just don't think I had him ranked properly to start with. But, you know, Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera have Hall of Fame careers. Vlad's going in in the year 2043. I think this is a Hall of Fame offensive player, and you have about 10 days left before the season starts to get him in a dynasty league in fantasy. I think this is going to be a sensational, chain- game-changing player, people, honestly.
2: But the question will be asked among fantasy managers being at first base, the depth of the positions. Because first we've talked base about stinks. Exactly. You know what?
0: Third base is better than first base. We did three mock drafts at the end of last week. I don't know how many of them you did, Dave, if any. But um we did three mock drafts and in each of them I was sitting there around twelve thinking. Man, man, first base is terrible. I, I had, a, I was mad that somebody sniped me on C.J. Crone in one of these drafts. I took Howie Kendrick in right, round 12 of one of these drafts. A.J. Mass wrote about it on Friday and said he was angry about it. And by the way, if you have not read A.J. Mass's Hamilton-themed uh, mock draft recap on Friday, it is sensational. Hamilton is a great movie and a great show, and A.J. obviously loves it. I read that, and I was like, this is fantastic. Anyway, first base stinks. After like the top 10 or 12 guys, and you're not using a catcher there. So to me, Guerrero in 2021, I think he's a third round pick. I don't care that he's first base only. And for those who don't understand our rules, he will keep his third base eligibility all through the 2020 season. And then if he doesn't play 20 games of third base this year, which you probably won't now, mm. he'll be first base eligible in 2021.
2: Not, not 20 games though.
0: Oh, <laughs> what is it? 10 20. now?
2: I I'm trying to remember if we lock that in yet. I, it's probably going to be five or ten games.
0: We, they kind of ought to figure that out.
2: I, um, I, look, I'm sorry. I just don't recall it off the top of my head. We did discuss that, though. It's not going to be 20 because of the shortened year.
0: Either way, Guerrero will be first base only. Dave, do you agree with me this is a Hall of Fame offensive talent like Cabrera Pouls? Eric, no? I
1: know I've heard you and your love for Guerrero over the past year. I'm a little more skeptical. And like, oh, I know. Boy. He was, he was, what, 20 years old last year. Very yeah, come young. on. <laughs> but <laughs> he was near as good as some of the other young hitters, Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna, Carlos Correa, when he first came up. I'm looking at his stat cast numbers, uh, his hard hit rate. That's the one I look at more than exit velocity was just forty six percentile. Average exit velocity, 58th percentile. Um he doesn't strike out a lot. The strike zone control, it's more that he's over-aggressive, somewhat similar to his dad, and he's got to get the ball in the air. That can all happen. But no, I, no way am I calling him a future Hall of Famer. I did not see enough last year. Can
0: we – Can we? Can Dave, do <laughs> you have a chance? Can you look up the 2011 splits for Mike Trout? I'm just curious what he did as a rookie. I don't recall. Was he good? Was he bad?
1: I like that. Come on. That's like 150 at-bats. Not even that. All right, now he. All right.
0: Yeah. All right. So, so my guy.
1: nineteen season. He was. He was even younger than Guerrero
2: by um, like six months. I'm loving that, that. That that that. Now we have someone else who could challenge Eric on this one. But Dave, yeah, I, I, know I, you know, think had I think you're, had you're right. just off on this one. I I'm off. Awesome like Vlad Guerrero. No, I I just said, Dave. I think you are off on this. Whoa. One. I'm closer to Eric on this one. I <laughs> was 20 years old, and he did a lot better than Trout did the first time he debuted. I, I do worry a little bit about the you know fitness and physical form for Vladimir Guerrero. If that's going to influence him over time, I get, I, I worry good. if he doesn't make the Hall of Fame. It's because I think seven, eight, nine years down the road from now, he begins to significantly break down. Well, look, the Hall
1: of Fame thing is much different from his fantasy value. Obviously, his real-life value takes a big hit as a first baseman or DH only. You know, even Miguel Cabrera was competent in the field for a long time. Guerrero's not. I don't think – and we don't even know if he's Miguel Cabrera at the plate yet.
0: All right, so Toronto can play uh, Travis Shaw, third base for this season – And then the kid, the Vanderbilt kid, Austin Martin, can play third base. Kevin Biggio can play third base. They have plenty of options to play third base in 2021 and beyond. So I think that's another reason why this move happened. Either way, I like Guerrero more than I did before the weekend. Let's get to some other names here on the show while we still can. Um, A couple players opted out. We're going to reserve judgment on what this means to them and other things and just talk about their fantasy value here. Buster Posey is a Hall of Famer for the San Francisco Giants, a catcher, and Michael Kopech, the young Chicago White Sox right-hander who throws 100, and very few, in fact, he and Joe Ross are the only ones I can think of who, who are young and are opting out. Let's start with Posey's fantasy value here, Tristan, first. I did not have him ranked as a top 10 catcher. I'm not even sure I had him in the top 20, um, and I do not think, well, do you think that it matters in fantasy that Buster Posey is sitting out? Let's put it that way.
2: No, not really. I think, and and here's the problem with it. He was 15th, uh, I had him 15th among catchers. Mainly that was I wasn't all that interested in the players who were ranked behind him. The other is that people are jumping to this idea that Joey Bart is now the Giants catcher. I'm not convinced that's the case. I'm not convinced Joey Bart sees a game in the majors this year. I think there's a great increase in his uh, prospects of doing that. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves.
0: Right. That was my question for Dave. Why would the Giants and the Orioles to some degree, these are the top two young catchers in baseball, Joey Bart of the Giants, Adley Rushman of the Orioles, even if these teams thought they could contend, why would they push these guys? The Giants have Rob Brantley and Tyler Heineman, a couple of guys who are journeyman types. I don't see Joey Bart playing in the majors this year, even now.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, just looking at his minor league stats last year, I don't think the bat is quite advanced enough to basically jump from Class A to the majors. Uh, that's a big leap. So like, I know they don't have any catching. Um, so there is, you know, a potential hole there that he could squeeze into. But I'm with you. I don't think he sees the majors.
0: Right. They could always sign a long-term veteran veteran like Russell Wilson or somebody like that, Russell Martin, somebody like that. Um if they sign Seattle's quarterback, that'd they be
2: sign a, Russell Wilson too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that'd be a different the story. He was a second baseman. The other one, Kopech is a little bit more surprising and obviously there's some off the field issues we might not know about here. But from his overall um dynasty impact here, Tristan, I still think Kopek, who throws a hundred miles per hour regularly, is a excellent um stash in a dynasty or keeper league. Do you still agree with that?
2: Yeah, I don't think this influences his uh, dynasty or keeper appeal. I'm just concerned about this having been an opportunity for him to build up innings so that there'd be less of a question about innings caps next season. The other thing that's kind of bothered me about Kopeck for a while is the variable velocity. You and I both saw him pitch where he could hit 104 on the radar gun, which by the way, probably the radar gun was being a little bit generous there. And then he could drop down to 94 with the fastball. I find that curious and a little uh, disconcerting, but yeah, a great prospect.
0: And Dave, the White Sox can turn to Gio Gonzalez, Dylan Cease. They have five rotation members already without Kopech. It's a little bit surprising that a young player would opt out. He may not be the last one. There might be pressure on these guys to not opt out, and obviously this would affect fantasy. Kopech was on my list to draft this season.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, he's definitely the youngest guy, right, who's opted out. Uh, I think we talked about this before. You know, the 10-year veterans who have maxed out on their – um um i'm blank
0: funny i mean they've made so much most of these guys have made at least 50 million dollars and a couple of, now we're starting to see maybe this is the beginning of a trend this week with younger players opting out i mean copec the white Sox would love to have him in the rotation in 2021 so i don't see why this would affect that anyway don't draft him basically that's the bottom line of fantasy don't draft copec or posey for this year But don't forget about either one of them for next year, because Posey could come back and bat 290 with 12 home runs in 2021, Tristan, and be a top 10 catcher.
2: He could, yeah. Um, So the other question I have with this with Dynasty and Keeper Leagues is that if there's a mounting number of prospects for these leagues that do opt out or miss the season, we could see leagues run into a roster problem where you don't have spots in order to stash them. So that's something to keep an eye on.
0: Moving on, um, uh, the Yankees closer Aroldis Chapman, one of the latest to test positive for COVID nineteen. There might be others, including Jordan Alvarez, who has unspecified reasons as to why he's on the injured list. But we know that Aroldis is out, and we know that Zach Britton, the lefty, um, put him in the game. Buck, he is he's probably going to be the closer, <laughs> but we're just guessing. Aroldis could be ready in ten days for the season. It might be three weeks into the season. We have no idea. So I'll I'll ask you this, Dave. Um, Do you have any concerns that Zach Britton could be an effective closer? No. You know, is he
1: what he was? You know, that year he was perfect. Probably not. He's a little wild, but, you know, he keeps the ball in the park. He's hard to hit. You know, you go through the closers, there's not a lot of – I know you guys have talked about this, a lot of, like, sure things. So, Britton, he's clearly a top 10 closer, Um, maybe even top five or six. You know, I don't have the rankings here, but uh, I think he's one of the best. But
0: would you draft him if you were doing a draft today, knowing that he may get saves in early right. season? He may not. You could stream the position. Tristan's the king of the streamers. So, like, I can make the case that I'd rather draft Zach Britton than anybody on Washington because I have no clarity on Washington's bullpen. Daniel Hudson versus Zach Britton today, Tristan. Wouldn't you take Britain because we think we know he's going to get some saves?
2: You would, yeah. And a lot of times I like just getting the numbers today and dealing with it later, especially when, yeah, you could probably pick up the Nationals closer freely during the season. By the way... When, when you think of the production for these players, I think a lot of people go back to the Orioles groundballing types. They think of the Jim Johnson 50 Saviors, and they link that to Britain, and especially because Britain is an extreme ground baller. But the difference is that Britain's pitch misses a heck of a lot of more bats than Jim Johnson's did. He's a very good and very underrated relief pitcher, and I think the only reason people have questions is that injury he had two years ago. Are you dropping how, how a How round- high potential when he closes?
0: I, I don't. I don't want to move Araldus in my rankings because I just don't know what's going on. You, so don't you have to though? I mean, I guess it's, a little, but I, I like. I don't know if he's missing any time.
2: He's gonna. <laughs> I I can't see him not missing time. It's gonna take him time to get back up to the point he's okay. ready to pitch at a high level, and he's a velocity guy. He's got to have the velocity, but it could be five days.
0: That's my point. He could be back by this weekend. Let's talk about a lineup change here. And this is big news in fantasy. Cleveland with Terry Francona, Francisco Lindor is dropping from the leadoff spot where he hit in basically all of his at-bats last year to number three in the order. Cesar Hernandez is going to bat first. One of my Philly favorites here. What a base runner Cesar Hernandez is. Let me just say. (laughs) And just wait until Francona sees him try to go first to third. He has the speed to steal 30 bases in a season. But he, he never came anywhere close to it because he has no base running instincts. But he's your leadoff hitter, and Oscar Mercado is dropping to like seventh in the order. It's a big deal. I don't think Mercado's worth drafting now, Tristan. And you can make the case that Cesar Hernandez is worth drafting on the impetus that he, he would have a pace for a hundred runs scored. He gets on base.
2: Yeah, and, and opportunity as well. We mentioned turning over the lineup. The fact that that gives you more volume overall, the runs, the RBI, just the times of the plate and how much it influences your batting average i'm not all that excited by this frankly i don't know why the indians don't just lead off carlos santana high on base percentage period i don't care about the guy not stealing bases it's gonna help lindor's rbi a little bit you know he had what 74 i think it was last season
0: this is gonna help a a lot? lot if you've got two on base guys batting ahead of him instead of the you know a catcher how can lindor not be among the rbi leaders now as opposed to last year when he wasn't even in the top fifty. I, this I, this, this, this he, he won't score as many runs, and the big question is: Will he steal bases? He could still opt to steal bases, batting third with you know Santana or who who else could back cleanup on that team? There was a, an obvious guy there.
2: Um, Framel Reyes.
0: Framel's fifth. There's still one other player. I'll, I'll look it up. Um, the Ramirez. point being, oh, Jose Ramirez. The point being that I I already have Lindor ranked number five overall. One spot ahead of Mookie Betts. And if I don't have clarity on Mike Trout in the next week, I would consider moving Lindor ahead of Trout. Absolutely. Dave, your thoughts.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think the big question, and this is a broad question, is how much are guys going to run this year? You know, are they going to run more because every game's important? Players are going to be excited to be back out there. Are they going to run less? You know, they don't want to risk an injury. They they're more worried about 2021 than 2020. You know, I know we you guys have talked about Christian Yelich, who I don't think he's gonna run this year. One, he, you know, had the broken kneecap. Um, Lindor, you know, I don't know. I think num- batting third would suggest he runs a little less. I think it affects his value.
0: Um, Let's get to Tristan's trivia here, and then we'll talk about some other news and what Dave's been writing about. Tristan, what do you got for the trivia that Dave won't know?
2: So I'm going to go back to the theme for Posey and sing his praises from his prime because he's the only active catcher to bat at least 300 with 90 RBI in a season. To do that in the same year, he's the only active catcher who has done that, and he did it twice in his MVP season in 2012 and in 2015. Can you name the five active catchers who have either – batted at least 300 or driven in 90 runs in a season. Buster Posey's done the two things at once twice in a season. Nobody else has done it, but five catchers have done either one in a season. I want you to name them.
3: Yeah, he's got to be
1: one. Well, okay. He hit 300 once. He
2: hit 300 four times, 2011, 12, 13, and 16. Star of Eric's Sim League
0: team. Not Yachty anymore, but you. yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> didn't he hit like 380 for you one year in sim? And he sim- still didn't win. He didn't win the
0: MVP that year. <laughs> yeah, he was robbed. He was robbed. Another catcher did Grandal. Who I oh think, yeah. On, right. I, I assume he's knocked in 90. Yasmani Grandal won the MVP in our sim league that year instead of Yadi, who batted 380. Grandal's an answer on this, right?
2: Grandal is incorrect. Of
3: course, he is. Uh, Not MVP either. But but I'm
2: Carlos sure that guy doesn't.
1: Santana crazy. drive in ninety when he was still a catcher.
2: Who is this? Carlos Santana. Nope, Carlos Santana is not one of the answers.
0: <laughs> so,
2: uh, okay, We're,
1: come on, Eric. We got to do better than this. Nope, uh, no, uh, nobody
2: else throw. on this list did either one more than once. They're one timers. Each of these four guys did it once. They have one such season.
3: Salvador Perez ever hit 300? No. No, but he might have knocked a 90. Nope. Okay. Well.
1: I don't think Russ, Russell Martin had some good years, but I don't think he ever did either
2: one. No Russell Martin. You might be thinking a little too bit too deeply on some of these. <laughs> well, JT Real Mouth, though. He is correct. He batted 300 in 2016. Okay.
3: So that's one. Um, yeah. So
2: have you have three more to go. Your Gary it.
0: Sanchez, knocked in 91 he year. Did.
2: He drove in 90 runs in 2017. Good job. That's three out of five. Now, the other two did uh, batted 300. They did not drive in 90 runs. They batted 300 once apiece. Once apiece. This is okay. Didn't Omar Nervias bat 300 one year? Nope. Got to qualify for the batting title, remember? Oh, you got to qualify. Oh, that's tough.
0: Yeah, I mean, how many catchers even qualified for the batting title last year?
2: More than you think.
0: Oh well,
3: uh, you don't have to yeah. rub it in. Okay. No, I,
2: I had the same thought, but it's actually more than you would have expected. Five hundred two is not is really not all that generous. It's when you get much beyond that.
1: How about Wilson Contreras?
2: No, but
1: no, yeah,
2: there's a little bit of a link to one of the answers in your guess. <laughs> The clues make it more
3: confusing sometimes. <laughs> right, I'll what give clue? you Victor Caratini. I
2: don't understand. No, there's, <laughs> there's a part of that answer that is kind of correct, and the other part of it that is a hint is this player did play a portion of his career for Eric's favorite team. <laughs> Well, I
0: mean, Wilson, I guess Wilson Ramos.
2: isn't Wilson Ramos one. is correct. He did it in the oh, Wilson Ramos. <laughs> Now, the last one's tricky. He is competing for a job on a team where there is some news about positions. And he has been talked about not as, I mean, he might make the team as a catcher, but as a platoon partner at another position.
0: What, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa?
2: Nope. <laughs> Older player. This guy batted 300 in 2014.
3: Older player, Eric, it's right up your wheelhouse.
2: Wow. He was involved in one of the more infamous trades in our Sim League's history.
3: <laughs> that doesn't help. Stephen Stephen vote. I don't know. Let's
0: talk about what Dave's been writing, and then we'll get the last answer here. So there's this I'm flummoxed There's an MLB round table with you, Bradford Doolittle, and Sam Miller, with some very interesting questions here. And the very interesting answers, I might add, it's mainly about home runs here, predicting the totals. You seem confident, Dave, that the home run ball we saw we saw last year is coming back again, which would obviously have huge fantasy impact.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, why would I? Why would you predict anything different? You know, we don't know, so I think you just got to go on the assumption that the ball is going to be lively again. And I think Tristan, that's your um, analysis as well.
2: It is. I agree with you on that one. I do think we're going to see a little of last year where we don't see a high number for the major league leader, but the overall totals are high. So, in other words, lots of guys with 14 home runs, but right. nobody with 20.
0: So, today today should have been the home run derby. I think, what, Los Angeles was the uh, where the All-Star game was supposed to be this year. And um, so, today would have been the home run derby. You say Pete Alonzo will lead the majors in home runs again. And I say, could you be any more boring? He only led the majors <laughs> last year. And the other guys
2: say that, I mean,
1: we were asked like, who's the real home run King, I guess with Alonzo, my point is more, I think he's legit. Um, You know, he's not going to hit 300, but he's a pure power hitter, power to all fields. Um, You know, he likes the role of being the star. I think he's competitive. Um, You know, I know there's some people predicting some regression, um, yeah, maybe 53 is his career high, but I think he's a solid 40-homer guy over a full season.
0: You know, that's a good point. So I I know you guys don't read the fantasy football stuff, right? but I I wrote I, I wrote a about running backs who've already had their best season. I think Pete Alonso's already had his best major league season. I know that seems mean, but it's not. He had 53 home runs, yeah. people. Like, to say that he's not going to do that again or even hit for that high on average again, I think is totally realistic. He would, might he might lead my list of players that have already had like young players, not like Nelson Cruz types. You know, with running backs in football, I named everybody, including you know Frank Gore. But but still, this will be interesting. Like, has Pete Tristan? Do you believe Pete Alonso has already had his best major league season?
2: I kind of lean towards that, yes, and it's not a damning statement. I mean, you, our, our good friend Ron Chandler, as you know, made the, the comment about had Mike Trout in his Rookie of the Year season had his best Major League season, and it was a pretty valid one. And Trout's been excellent since then, but it just shows that it's very difficult to repeat the kind of numbers that Alonzo had.
0: Has Yasiel Puig already had his best Major League season? His rookie <laughs> year was probably his best season, right? And he's looking for work. And I assume the reason he's not with a team right now is because he's asking for too much money. But we've heard Baltimore, Cleveland, San Francisco as as, uh, options here. So he was ranked well and projected well in our mock drafts last week. And I said to our pal, Todd Zola, I mean, at what point do we remove Puig? And and of course, the next day, now we're hearing he might sign with somebody. So Dave, obviously, we don't know where Puig's going to go. But he still could have an impact. He still puts up numbers. I don't think people realize what he did the last three years. And, Kristen, maybe you can even look this up. Or um, or uh, what's your name, Kyle? Like, I, the last three years, Puig has hit at least 23 home runs each year and stolen 15 bases. How many players in baseball have done that?
2: 23 and 15?
0: That's pretty good in both categories. And a 263 average, at least that. So all three of those numbers – yeah. I I I don't is, is how many five guys have done that I, I don't know but Dave your thoughts on Puig like why do you think why would Baltimore want him
1: <laughs> Oh have you seen that roster <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah um, but they want that they don't want to win right now they, they no, they're not trying
1: sign him, um, hoping he plays well then you flip him you know after twenty or thirty games look the Puig's unsigned for reasons beyond his baseball abilities. We all know that, right? Like, he, he, you know, he's a good player, a little better in fantasy because of the steals than he probably is in real life. His defense, I don't think it's what it once was, you know? So again, that's a reason he's he hasn't been signed. But as a baseball player, as a fantasy player, he can still contribute.
0: My point is, like, if you're Baltimore and a Puig signing takes away at bats from, I don't know, Anthony Santander or Austin Hayes. That's just ridiculous. Play your kids and see what they can do. I, I think that's a terrible fit in the clubhouse, too. But that's not – when he signs, obviously, we will discuss it from fantasy for this show, and I'll write something, and we'll have projections on him. He, he can matter in fantasy, Tristan. Let me ask you. You're doing a draft today. Would you draft Week?
2: No. I, I, But remember that this is one of those, I want a guy who I know is on a team, has a role, and does not have to work himself up to full speed. We've seen some of the players who've signed during the season in the past, and it takes them time during the regular games they're contributing to get to their typical form. And I think that's going to adversely impact Puig here. By the way, I've, the bad news on this is your, your thresholds, 20 players have done that. Over at the least, last three years? 20 players have done that at least once. There uh, are... Wow. There are Three who did Has it. Has anybody
0: times. done it all three years?
2: Yep, three players. He's one of the three.
0: Okay, well that the was other, my point.
2: The others were Lindor and Betts.
0: I was going to guess Lindor. Um, that's my point is that he's a rare player. You know, I mean, like he does matter. We should be drafting him in fantasy in the late rounds right now. In case he signs, we could always drop him. There's plenty of free agent outfielders we can pick up. I've changed my stance. When I looked up Puig's numbers, I was surprised at how productive for fantasy. He has actually been.
2: Okay, so I'll counter that with uh, we have three bench spots that are non-injury in ESPN leagues. We have three injury spots. So uh, it's the fifth day of the regular season and Puig hasn't signed yet. Are you cutting him yet? At what point are you going to just move on? You have to make that decision.
0: You're, you're right about that. But I'm going to go in one of our mocks to look at, at the outfitters that were not drafted. And the reason why I say, you know, why not take a shot is nobody drafted Scott Kingery or Kyle Tucker. Or stolen base champion Malik Smith, Aaron Hicks, Shin Chu Choo, Choo. There's plenty of outfitters available. That's my reasoning is that Puig could matter if he does sign. But And Kyle Tucker, by the way, kind of reminds me statistically, potentially statistically, of Puig. He's not going to bat over 260 or 70, I don't think. But if Jordan Alvarez misses the start of the season and he's on the injury list now, Kyle Tucker should be guaranteed playing time as the DH or one of the outfitters that can move Brantley to DH. Dave, Kyle Tucker is one of the top prospects in baseball, a little bit forgotten because he didn't play last year in the majors much, and get much of a chance, and his manager is noteworthy for not playing kids. But he was a 30-30 player in AAA.
1: Yeah, it's t- he has to play. The Astros, look, I know they're fighting for division and they want to go with the proven commodities, but it's time for him to play. He has nothing to prove in AAA. Huge power numbers there. Like, what did he hit? I'm trying to look this up. Thirty-seven home runs in AAA, or whatever. And
0: thirty. Yeah, I mean, he thirty-four, 34 homers, thirty steals. Now, Jock Peterson did that in AAA, and then you know stole nary a base in the majors. But still, if Kyle, if Dusty has already said Josh Reddick is his right fielder over Kyle Tucker. But if Alvarez is not ready for the season, Kyle Tucker's playing, and I can make the case right now that Kyle Tucker and Yasiel Puig are worth your twentieth round draft picks in case they play early on. Tristan's mocking me.
2: No, I'm not. I I agree with you, especially in Tucker's case, because I do think Tucker's making the team. My concern with Puig is the the roster confines. I will not burn a spot on a guy that I think is going to be non rostered going into the regular season. I just think that's that's a tough thing to do, especially in our game.
0: Tristan, I'll ask you this because you and I were in all three mocks. Um, what were the different formats here? What is most popular at ESPN? Obviously, there's. There's regular Roto, which are my rankings. Your rankings are um, what? Head-to-head categories.
2: categories. Very similar to yours, just with a head-to-head component.
0: And AJ Mass is points league. So what was the main difference you saw in the three mock drafts that we did?
2: So typically the points league is where we see the, the huge differences. So for example, Shohei Otani, where you have the daily league ability, he was a third round pick in the points league. And I think he was eighth was the sooner in the Roto and the head to head categories. Uh, closers went a little bit more quickly in the points leagues. Starting pitchers went earlier. I got the number one pick in the points league, hated getting it, but took Garrett Cole because I wanted to take the ACE caliber pitcher, especially now that he says he's going to throw a hundred pitches on opening day. Um, And speed, of course, was uh, downgraded. And of course, you see the the strikeout artists do also get uh, penalized. So Matt Olson. Matt Olson is a fifth-round pick in a Roto League. He was a 10th-round pick in points leagues. Players like that are going to take a hit, too.
0: Dave, give me the final numbers for Shohei Otani hitting and pitching.
1: (laughs) I don't know if they (laughs) talked about this last week, but were you concerned when he walked nine guys or whatever it was in the intra-squad game? That was like,
0: I don't know. Are you paying attention to that? Any intra-squad stuff?
1: No, that one just caught my eye. That caught my eye too. Because coming back from Tommy John, maybe there's a slight mechanical thing going on there. I know he said his stuff was good and he was throwing all his pitches. That's a small red flag for me. It could mean nothing. It probably doesn't. But, that you know, so – Sixty games. He's going to pitch once a week. So what is that? Ten starts, maybe. You know,
0: he went ten starts. Goes, like so, he's going to make ten starts, like most of the other guys. I think. I, I think the under on ten starts.
1: Take the under. I mean, over. You know, if they start every fifth day, that's twelve starts over sixty it's, it's games. Nine
2: weeks. If he pitches every Sunday, he's making nine starts. Top. He's in
1: a nine-week season, so nine. Yeah. So he goes four and two. Three five four ERA. I say mid threes ERA. Good strikeout rate.
0: So does he get? Who gets more plate appearances Is this <laughs> year, Otani or Kyle Tucker?
1: Probably Otani. It should be T- Tucker. Should play every day over Redick in my book. But like you said, Dusty loves those vets.
0: So Otani plays DH what four days a week and pitches every Sunday. Tristan, is that what you're how you're viewing
2: it? I would project him for that. Yeah, I think I and I'll probably say you should draft him, assuming eight starts with some uh, pitch caps and especially in the early outings. I think he gives you what a hundred and that would be like a hundred and seventy five hundred and eighty PA's maybe.
0: Okay, I, I just I I I'm not taking him. I, I know that I don't want to be mean. I just like. It seems like you need to, to spend a top 100 draft pick to get Otani, and I want more clarity on, on what he's going to offer from me, uh, my, my team. So I not. T- I don't know. I guess I'm not going to get him anywhere. Except um, that I,
2: in, in our game, where we have the ability to maximize each and every outing he has, he has much more value here than elsewhere.
0: Okay. So you would take him in, the, in round 10 of your draft?
2: Oh, yeah. I'd take him sooner than that.
0: Really? Yep. Dave, do you, do you have interest here or no?
2: Yeah, I would
1: I would have interest. Okay. You know, I, even though I brought up the, the nine walks, I think he's going to be a good pitcher. We know he can hit. Yeah, Ten, I would take him.
0: All right, let's move on. What else do we still have to do? I guess we have to answer the trivia question, and then we'll get to some of the tweets here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying. So, like, I, I just, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to say I cheated. But when you said that a lot of catchers qualified for the batting title, according to ESPN stats, only two did last year. The only two that qualified for the batting title were Real Muto and Grandal.
2: It's career active players. There's a good number who have done that at some point.
0: Right, but like every year, what I'm saying is that it's yeah, rare. It's
2: not a huge number. Yeah, yeah, you're correct, and it's declined in the past couple of years. I got it. It's
1: got to be Jeff Mathis.
2: <laughs> nice. <laughs> that might be the least likely player to be in either <laughs> qualification of any catcher.
1: Well, well, okay. There was some Cubs tie in, right? So
2: no, that was the Wilson-Rama, Wilson rum Wilson
1: Wilson and Wilson. Gotcha. This was uh, the Mason guy.
2: This- the the what, infamous what was your hand? trade. The, this guy was involved in an infamous trade in our sim league and he is currently with a team non roster on the sixty man player pool. He's a competitor for a platoon role at a different position this year. Oh, LaCroix. Jonathan LaCroix, oh, three hundred and twenty fourteen. Yeah, Ubray, yeah, he's
3: yeah in for finished
2: like
1: third in the MVP voting.
2: Yeah, don't even look at that. Don't even look
0: at the voting for these things anymore. This Larry Bowe was like number two in the MVP voting one year.
1: Larry Bowe. Ancient history. Voters do much better now, Eric.
2: LaCroix had a great year. He was the best catcher in the game for a year. They do so well that Rick Porcello won the Cy Young over Justin Verlander. Oh.
0: Yeah. LaCroix really – LaCroix was fourth in the MVP voting in 2014 with the Brewers.
2: How? Yeah.
1: Isn't that year? He had like 53 doubles and that was the dead ball year. That was a
2: great year. He, he was, he was a very good hitter for those couple of years. Yeah. I mean,
0: his war was right there. I mean, Kershaw wanted Stanton McCutcheon, LaCroix all had a 6.4 war Rendon. I just like, come on. <laughs> I, really? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what what Eric, right, come on he was a great player for one year
0: and i gotta look up this trade what trade are you t- like i'm supposed to remember the, a trade that was made in
2: our in, our in our sim league with a good friend of ours he was traded for forrest whitley and katel Marte.
0: oh my goodness that happened your commissioner how do you allow this stuff to happen
2: <laughs> it actually looked like a really good trade for the guy who got Lucroy. it was during that time he was hitting <laughs>
0: All right, Kyle, you're here. Kyle,
3: Kyle Tucker. Um, what do you got for some uh, hash browns? I've been called worse on this podcast. Kyle Tucker will work. Dan wants to know some players other than the ones Tristan mentioned earlier that are over or underrated for points leagues. It is all
0: you, Tristan. I, I, I pay attention to points leagues to some degree, but obviously you and AJ are much more attuned to it than I am. Dave and I will sit this one out. Who's overrated and underrated? Obviously starting pitchers are underrated. Closers are underrated. Guys who strike out and don't walk are overrated. That's like the simplistic answer, isn't it?
2: Carlos Santana. Carlos Santana. Really underrated. Yeah. And that's amazing because in the past, he used to be ranked about 100 for Roto Leagues. And he was like a top 25 overall player in points leagues. And I did the filter in our draft. He was ranked around 130. I should know. That's it, my ranks on there. And yet his point projection, I think, put him in the top 30, which I, I, I just can't believe that's the case for 2020. I, I can't. I
0: mean, look at the walks leaders, and you can see Carlos Santana had 108 of them last year. That was tied for fifth in the majors. Like, if Santana's a 12th-round pick in a normal Roto League, in a points league, he's like a fifth-round pick, honestly. And Juan Soto, with all the walks, is a first-round pick for sure.
2: Yeah. Actually, the other is doubles are the currently underrated category in points league. So Nick Castellanos.
0: Xander Bogarts, who also hit 50 doubles last year. You know, I I don't think Wies Hoskins is going to bat 250, but he was second in the majors in walks. Walks Joey Votto is still – Joey Votto is worth drafting in a points league, but not a roto league, I believe. Um,
2: Hoskins takes a hit, however, because of the Ks.
0: Oh, yeah. And I have no idea what he's going to do this year. By the way, go Google his image. He has long hair and a mustache. It looks
3: glorious, glorious. All right, Kyle Tucker, what's next? Norman wants help picking four of his six keepers. So I've got or er, picking four keepers of these six. So you tell me which two get left off the list. We've got Garrett Cole, Walker Buehler, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Tatis, and Hira. My goodness, loaded <laughs> squad. But pick two. You got to get rid of.
0: I mean... like
1: a four-team league this guy's in or something?
0: Four? Three of those guys are first-round picks. Cole, Turner, and Soto. I guess Turner's early second. Bueller's a top-five starting pitcher. I mean, I love Tatis and Hura, but they can't make this list. Right, Tristan?
2: Hura's the first cut here, and I hate to do that. You could draft him back. But it's Tatis versus Bueller. It's do you want the hitter, or do you want the second starting pitcher? That's a tough one.
0: (sighs) Dave, your thoughts here. I mean, Bueller looks like a future ace. Tatis could be, you know, black. it could be a Hall of Famer. I mean, I, I just, he has the ability to be a fantasy monster for the next decade, but we worry about his durability. So you make the call, Bueller versus Tatis.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I'd roll the dice and go with Tatis. Yeah, we worry about his durability, but you got to worry about a pitcher's, you know, long-term durability as well. So... Tatis, yeah, uh, you know, speaking of guys who had their best year, he may never mat- match the rate stats he had last year, but he has power,
2: he can run. Uh, I, I'd go with That's Tatis.
0: interesting. What if Tatis has already had his best season, Tristan? I hadn't thought about that.
2: I, I do think his best season is in his future, but that's just because of the volume. He Remember, he did miss a good amount of time. So it's not going to be he, as tough.
0: For years we said Steven Strasburg, one of these years is going to win a Cy Young, put it all together, and he's had better years since, you know, the, the durability questions. It's hard to it's hard to shake that, you know, when you keep getting hurt. Yeah. You know?
2: I you know, in this one I would ask Norman where are you at in the draft? I think that that has something to, to say with us. Because I think it, Tat- it, Tatis is it, gonna go quicker if you threw him back of those two.
0: In a shortened season, are you're more likely, I think, to take the hitter. But for a career, like this is a keeper league.
2: If it's a career, then it's Tatis for me. All
0: right. Yeah, I guess so. Tatis, but I, I feel like yeah, Bueller's the right Bueller I I have Bueller ranked ahead of Tatis
3: probably, but I think in a keeper league I might go Tatis as well. Okay, next. Interesting. Okay, Dan wants to know if you guys would be more or less likely to trade for a hot player given the shortened season. <laughs> Man, I, I don't have any idea.
0: I, like, I just, like, we think we know what's going to happen in the first week of the season. It may not even be real baseball. You know, I mean, like, we didn't even get to Aaron Judge with the neck stiffness. I mean, the Yankees could just rotate six outfielders the first couple of weeks and tr- sit everybody every other day. The starting pitching, we have no idea, Dave. I mean, five-man rotations, four innings at a time. So, more likely to trade? I, I guess if you can find somebody. But I'm going to say less likely to trade. Well, more likely to hit the waiver wire than I had to trade.
1: Tristan, I know you agree with me. The same mindset applies here. You got to look at the secondary data. You know, if it's a batter, look at the hard hit rate, the exit velocity, you know, is he getting lucky? You know, a hot pitcher, has he developed a new pitch? Is he healthy after being injured? You know, so none of that changes, you know, you don't, I don't, you're not more or less inclined than you otherwise would have been. You still got to study the numbers to try to figure out if this guy's for real. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. I think there's less of a penalty on being reactionary this year, though, and that is going to make me more likely to trade, yeah. is that we, we rail on the idea of small sample sizes, making judgments on those, but our game is based upon small samples. We're making judgments on individual games, and in a 60-game season, I think you need to react, take some chances. Again, the penalty is going to be much less severe than it would be over 162.
0: I have not had a good chicken parm sandwich in like four months.
2: <laughs> you know, I haven't either. I'm with you. When when can we just get out and get a good chicken parm? We got to just do that as a group.
3: Well, that ain't right. happening. <laughs>
2: 2023.
0: Yeah, two years. I hope not. I, might be a little while there, but I mean, I, I I haven't had one, and I know places in my area that that, that make them. So I'm going to do that this week. Do I got to do it.
2: By the way, do you guys find the food quality is the same, better, or worse at some of the places you go when you ta- take it for takeout?
0: Um, I've seen all, all kinds. I at one place I really like, it's not been good at all, but when another place, the pizza has been better. So Dave, uh,
1: can't say I've done a lot, but probably, yeah, a couple times, not as good.
0: They cook every night, Dave and Joy, right? I mean, you cook every night. Good food, healthy food, vegetables, stuff like that.
1: We've gone out a couple times. Our our nephew's up here visiting, so we've taken him out. We've actually sat outside at a couple restaurants. You know, we're doing well in Connecticut, um, so there's
0: less of uh, the fear. Where's the dog today, Dave? I I miss the dog. I (laughs) need. Yeah,
1: we're downstairs. Uh, They're tired from their hike we went on yesterday. They were like sprinting through the woods. Now my nephew's 22, so he has one dog. And the we're in the woods, there's like rocks, you know, and they're like sprinting. I'm like, "He's going to sprain his ankle. We have to carry him out of the woods." I had the older dog and like he's running. He wants to run and keep up. I'm like, "You're he's almost 8 years old. Why is he running through the woods?" Luckily, I survived.
0: I, I, I survived my softball game. Some stuff is sore, but I survived as well. Um, I think I need Tommy John surgery. Tristan, good weekend? Chicken parm? No? I don't
2: know. No, I didn't have a chicken parm. I was thinking about it for dinner yesterday, and then I just decided against it. Had a burger. Getting enough instead. sleep,
0: Tristan? How's that working out? Enough sleep for you?
2: No, not even close.
0: So, Eric, I want
1: to know, Is your are the Iron Pigs having these like dinners at the ballpark? The, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, the Hartford team, the Yard Goats, uh, my editor Dan Mullen went to dinner at the ballpark the other night.
0: I, I want to support the, there at the High Iron Valley Iron Pigs. I mean, what food, great food they have. Uh, <laughs> bacon, all bacon oriented. They do a great job. I miss, you know, like, yes, I miss baseball. I miss, like, going to games and, like, doing fun stuff like that and seeing you guys. Like, this stinks. But, you know, <laughs> What can I do? I can wear my mask and social distance, but if people don't want to do that, then it's going to gonna harm the whole country. All right. Well, that's enough for me today. <laughs> Way we'll to
1: end on a... <laughs> uh,
0: okay. We're done for today. Apparently, tomorrow is National Nude Day, and I, I intend to make good use of that. Uh, and then Wednesday is National Gummy Worm Day. So how about that? Tristan, you eat some gummy worms? What are you more you likely to do this week?
2: French Fry Day. Come on, man. French Fries
0: Gummy Worms are nude day. What are you more likely to celebrate?
2: <laughs> what wow. did you say, nude? I thought you said nude. Yeah. I, I don't know where Kyle comes up with these, but uh they yeah, apparently are decided by somebody. Yes. No, <laughs>
3: not my making.
2: <laughs> oh, I should celebrate French Friday Day though. I haven't had those. That's the other french fries. I have I can't get French fries anywhere. French fries are the worst at takeout. They are the worst warmed up. They gotta be fresh out of the fryer.
0: Yeah, they sell them at the grocery store.
2: They are terrible.
0: Yeah, it's not-
1: terrible. <laughs> no, but that's a good point, Trist. Like certain foods are better for takeout. Like we were we were doing some social distancing saying hello to some friends yesterday, and it was like six o'clock and we're all starving because we had gone on the hike. I know you got to go, but like
2: Mexican food, that's not like good take home food.
3: No, no, no.
2: Is it really? I'll give you this. If you find a Mexican restaurant with fresh ingredients, we've got one in town. That actually has been pretty good.
1: No, but like the burrito can get too soft and soggy. Yeah.
2: You got to pick it up right when it's done. You got to be waiting there for when it comes (laughs) over the counter and you got to race it home and eat it right away. (laughs) Eric wants to go.
0: No, no, I, I, I wasn't waving you off. I was trying to <laughs>
2: wave like you were waving. We're all giving each other helpful food tips. I want your guys' help. I waves? Waves.
0: Yeah, we're doing the, you know, what's that movie uh, with the kid? And, the,
3: uh, you know. Wax Out, Wax Off. That's the movie. Christ.
1: I'm very <laughs> excited. No, I had to do a video for ESPN, and my wife films, and she says, cut down on the hand movement.
3: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, I've never used hand movement in any of my videos with TV work. <laughs> Tristan's dancing right now. Okay, well, I think Tristan's dancing means it's time to go. Thank you so much, Dave. Oh, what are you writing this week? Tell us what, what you're writing. Give us a preview.
1: Oh, well, for tomorrow, you can check out my uh, fake 2020 All-Star teams because it would be All-Star Tuesday. So I picked my rosters.
0: Is Brian LaHare on it?
1: Brian LaHair is not on it, but
2: here. Okay, let's okay, end. Who is here. who is your Orioles rep? Yes, we. First, <laughs>
1: yeah, I can go on and on. Picking an AL All Star team is impossible because you need an Oriole, a Tiger, a Mariner, a Royal. You know, you got to squeeze them on.
2: Hey, Jorge Soler, come on! You know,
1: Soler was my candidate. You know, means. DH. But let me ask you guys this: You got. Three NL outfielders. Who are you picking from Cody Bellinger, Christian Yelich, Mookie Betts, Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, and I'm missing some – Ronald Acuna Jr. I mean, you got six – probably six of the – Harper maybe isn't a 10 best player, but –
0: Harper didn't make it last year, did he? I don't think he – Harper
1: was not a starter last year, no.
0: Well, I mean – Yelich and Bellinger, obviously. I mean, they're monsters—fantasy monsters, statistical monsters. And you know, by the way, and that's in that in the league, sim league, we have but Yelich has caught Bellinger in the MVP race. Look <laughs> it up; they have the same numbers right now—exact same like WAR per nine or whatever we use. Um, I think it has to be Yelich and Bellinger first, and then I bet Mookie Betts will be next over Soto, uh, but over a too. It's, it's a great race.
2: Yeah. You know, the defense with, with Betts and Bellinger, I think, propels them in this. One thing about Mookie,
1: is he going to hit as well away from Fenway? Nope. His swing is tailor-made for Fenway. His offensive numbers are going to drop a little, I
0: think. I think I have him ranked too well. I've been thinking of moving him. Tristan, I don't know if you agree with this, but I've got Mookie at number six overall. Um, I have Soto seven. If I thought that Mookie Betts was not going to steal bases, I would move Soto ahead of Betts and maybe Bregman too. Like if if Betts is only going to steal like nine bases this season and Soto steals seven, I think I'd rather have Soto.
2: Yeah, and I think that's really the the question with Betts' ranking. I think he is going to steal bases. That's why I have more. I do, but you're right.
0: I mean, I want to see their lineup. You know what Dave Roberts does with the LA lineup because that could be interesting. I mean, like Francona is the only manager right now who's even given information about his lineup. Which is really interesting, I and mean, that's a major, major change. Like, didn't Lindor have the most at bats in the majors last year out of the lead up spot? I think he might have. So, anyway, that could be wrong. All right, we're done for today. Thank you, Dave. You're awesome. Have a great day. Less hands, obviously. Less hands. She's right. I mean, you just use your hands way too much. Tristan, you dance too much. I talk too much. Kyle, you're too- Kyle Tucker too much. We're done for today. Please have an awesome week. I think we're back on Thursday.